Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another edition of the SC Times Sports Report Podcast. My name is Zach Dwyer, and joining me, as he does every week, is my co-host, Brian Mosey. Brian, we're getting our second edition of this podcast this week, on, you know, doing the remake of last week, like we talked about on Wednesday's pod. We're recording this Thursday morning, so probably the quickest we've ever recorded ones back-to-back, but uh, a lot happened last night, too, for us. A lot of excitement. Yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, it was a fun fun night. Um some fireworks, both literally and figuratively. Um, and uh, yeah, I think we I went out to the St. Joseph Joe's game and you went out to Sartell Muskie's game. I caught the last probably four innings or so of, of the Muskie's game after the Joe's got done. Thank you for being quick, St. Joseph. Appreciate it. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was a good night. Um, supposed to rain. And honestly, I'll take that night last night. That was a beautiful night. Really nice sunset. So, um, yeah, got a lot of amateur baseball stuff to talk about. Also, we we covered a few St. Cloud Rock stuff um, over the course of the last week and a half. Um, and then we also have the second half of um, all of the all metros that we have to kind of unveil. So a lot to do on this podcast. So plenty of stuff for you guys to listen to. That's for sure. Yeah, no, definitely. There is a lot to get to. So we'll get rolling right away, like Brian said, with amateur baseball. Um, yeah, we had two walk-offs on the St. Went two games, two walk-offs, which don't get that too often. So that was pretty good, but, um, you know, both pretty close games with a lot of errors in both games for sure. Um, the Muskies had four, I believe the Joes had four as well. Um, and in the Muskies case, um, I think we'll start there just cause we were both at that one. And, uh, the, the big excitement that Brian was talking about with the fireworks is so you get, we get into the ninth inning. Um, I can't remember if it was in the eighth, might have been the bottom of the eighth, that a fire. We started to hear fireworks, you know, kind of over the top of the hill. It's at St. Cloud Orthopedics Field in Sartell, so it's you know kind of down in a in the valley with a big hill on the other side of it behind um, home plate. And one firework went off, and literally part of it just fell, like almost hit the third base coach. I'm pretty sure. Um, and we're like, okay, well that's weird that they're shooting them off, but. Hopefully that's done. And then it stopped for a couple minutes. I don't even think I noticed who struck out because I was too busy watching the firework almost fall on someone. <laughs> and then we get to the ninth, or it might even been the top of the ninth when that happened. And then we get to the bottom of the ninth. Um, I think it was right after the first hit for the Muskies. All of a sudden, a firework literally gets shot directly like into the netting and literally explodes over like the entire crowd. And we're just like, what the heck is going on at this point? Like the game stops, there's smoke everywhere. People are screaming, like calling the cops, trying to run down, find the people. Luckily, no one got injured. That yeah, was a big no part, kidding. So. And there's <laughs> just like random debris from the fireworks just all over, like the bleachers and everywhere. And um, yeah, it was kind of a mess. But I guess it just added to the drama <laughs> of the moment a little bit. I guess is how we can put it, because then uh, with two outs in the bottom of the ninth, to Andrew Dieters, their second baseman, he smacked a single um that scored the winning run Sartell they got away with a one nothing win even though it wasn't the prettiest um they only managed a couple hits the pitching was really strong that's kind of what they only allowed two hits the entire game was kind of what really kept them alive in that one um Jake Lund pitched the first five only gave up a hit Adam Wenker came in for the sixth through ninth um had a little shaky start had a single and a walk and a throwing error and then he just totally locked in he had seven strikeouts in the last three innings um and kept him in it. And then, yeah, the big thing was that, um, you know, to start that ninth inning, uh, you know, like I said, Adam Schellinger, he was able to get on base, move around easily. I mean, the throw never even came on that single in the end. It was kind of a trying to, you know, speed up the throw to home to try to stop the winning run and never even picked up the ball. So he was able to cross easily. Muskies moved to 25 and one um, after they lost their first game of the year last weekend against Jordan. 
Um, I know after the game, they were saying how they haven't lost two games in a year. And I mean, two games in a row and they couldn't even remember the last time it's been years. So I know that's really big to them to not uh, get on any losing streaks. And they managed to do it, even though, you know, it wasn't exactly their best effort, but they got the job done in a close game, which I know they're excited about as, as playoffs get close. Yeah. And, and I mean, it was funny because when I came in, I think it was like the sixth or seventh inning that I showed up and um, I know you were talking about, yeah, Adam was a little shaky in his, in the first inning. And I was like, well, apparently he got rid of that. Cause, um, when I was watching, it was like, I mean, he was spotting the corners and just beautiful, beautiful pitches. I mean, just absolutely executing it perfectly. Um, there was a little bit of some drama, um, besides the fireworks, obviously, and the walk-off win, um, there was some questionable calls, um, that, kind of got some people riled up um, by the umpire. And so um, that was a little bit interesting through like the seventh and eighth innings because it seemed like that strike zone kind of changed a little bit um, over the course of the night from what I was talking to you about. Um, But yeah, overall, I mean, Sartell Muskie's locked up that number one seed a while back um, being undefeated in the, in the Sock Valley West um, and in the league overall, they, they locked up that number one seed in the West very, very quickly. Um, so they will be probably the favorite heading into that tournament and trying to lock up that number one seed for regions. But obviously you want to keep that train rolling. So um, nice to see them get that win. And um, it was also kind of fun because that was the first time that I've seen the Muskies play this season and get to see some familiar faces from last season, which we covered them a lot just because there was no spring season for high school. So we got kind of a jump jump start on the amateur baseball scene last year. So just a lot of fun to see some familiar faces and um, see some success from the Muskies once again, this upcoming year. And I mean, sky's the limit when it comes to them heading into the playoffs. Yeah, I know. I think one through nine, you looked at my lineup and you're like, wow. Yeah. I think eight of the nine are in the exact same spot as last year. So, you know, as they get, kind of closer to playoffs, you know, you kind of round into that, um, you know, familiar faces on that teams that have, you know, they've gone to state about 10 straight years at this point. So they know what they're doing, but yeah, it was, that was cool to see. And yeah, I didn't, you know, going through that game, big Lake is I think second on their side of the sock Valley. So, I mean, they're a good team and definitely they looked like it um, throughout the night, but I still kind of expected the Muskies to probably not have too tough of a time or, you know, to be a little, kind of a casual game and, it kind of got insane there at the end a lot more than I think either of us expected when we were watching that one. So that was definitely a good one um, and exciting to see them one more time before uh, playoffs start. Yeah, we already have the end of the regular season for all of the local teams it's this week. And next week on the podcast, we'll talk a lot more um, specifically about these different playoff brackets, um, where teams we cover in some of the towns, what divisions they fall into, what they need to do to win advanced to regions, which then leads to state. So we're going to get into all of that way deeper next week. That's going to be basically our, our whole podcast next week. So uh, we won't go into that this t- this week as much, but I did want to talk about your game too um, before we move on to to the Rocks coverage. Um, you had a walk-off as well, um, a 4-3 to three win for St. Joe over Becker. Um, and like you said, I mean, they had a ton of errors in the first innings. It, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't their best performance, but somehow they still managed to pull off that win. Yeah, I mean, kind of deja vu, honestly, from the Muskies game, it seemed like. Uh, it was just kind of funny because I was texting you because they started at 6.15, the Joes did, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to your game, but then all of a sudden you had, you know, you you had the walk-offs too. So. Um, but no, definitely a fun game to to be at. It kind of seemed like Becker, they were, they were playing the Becker Bandits, which was a, an important league game um, for them just to be able to keep that number two spot in the West. And they kept on the the first couple of innings. It was kind of shaky with the amount of errors. They they got an error right away in the second inning, and it seemed like Becker was going to maybe take advantage of it. They had, I think, a player on second, first and third um, with zero outs, and you were kind of thinking, mm, maybe they can break open this game a little bit. Um, but St. Joseph was able to, you know, get a key out at third base and, and get the guy out um, in, a, in kind of a rundown. And then they were able to get a couple ground outs to, to kind of close off the game and make it still 0-0. So they did a very nice job of being able to just continue keeping that game close. Um, in the fourth, they did take advantage of a couple different errors. Becker went up 2-0. Um, and then they and then towards the later half of the, the game, St. Joseph was able to kind of 
get some runs going and be able to kind of get get some stuff running. Um, ben Alverd, he was able to get an RBI single, and then um, a couple runs were able to score in the seventh inning due to an error as well as a single by um, Lucas Thiessen. Um, so it was it was nice to kind of see them you know power through and be able to continue to keep that game close. Um, they finished they, they were tied three three heading into the tenth inning, and then Tanner Blummer um, he was able to get a walk off single to score Hunter Blummer, um, and it was just a very nice Hunter was able to get a triple um, and get around the bases pretty quick with one out in the tenth, and then after a um, after a hard out by Ben, then Tanner came up and was able to get that walk-off single to right field to to win the game for the Joes, which this was a very important game um, for them. They kind of had this game circled because they're neck and neck with Clearwater in the Val- or in the Sauk Valley West um, for that 2-3 spot. And they play Clearwater on Saturday, which is going to be a, a big, big game for them um, to kind of figure out who gets that two seed and who gets that three seed. Which, I mean, even though it's two and three, makes a very big difference between whether you're home or whether you're away um, to start off that playoff. So, um, yeah, definitely a fun game for sure to watch. Uh, they they have a lot of familiar faces um, with like Andrew Rott from from Cathedral, as well as Andrew Wisner from um, Cathedral, who was with them last year. Now he's in, I believe, at St. John's. Um, so a lot of familiar faces from on this team that um, it was kind of fun to see them play because I saw them last year and it was it was nice to see some cool faces and, and such things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just to, yeah, you don't get two walk offs on the same night, like I said before. So um, exciting night. It's, you know, one of the last times we'll be playing kind of on the weeknights or me playing basically almost exclusively on Saturday, Sundays going forward, which we're going to. Um, continue to cover as we go through the rest of the summer as a lot of these teams try to make those postseason runs. But yeah, we just wanted to touch on that a little here first because um, we haven't really talked about it on the podcast yet. And it's definitely going to be a topic that's going to come up a lot these next couple weeks before we get to those high school previews um, and those fall sports starting up. So as well, you, um, while I was on vacation last week, you did quite a bit of rocks coverage over that time. Um, you wrote a couple features. There was, um, you know, uh, there was one player that got drafted. I know there's a lot of former players that got drafted too. We had a St. Cloud State player get drafted. Um, do you just want to hit a couple of those high points of um, some of the stories you wrote last week and just what people should know um, about some of those draft results? Yeah, I mean, the the first thing is is the Rocks are on fire right now. I mean, they're 32-9, and nine, I believe. Um, they locked up a playoff berth after the first half um, championship that they won. Um, after it, basically the 4th of July is kind of that first half cutoff line and they were able to clinch the, the victory and, and get, get a win and clinch that playoff spot, which is crucial for them because they can kind of not necessarily relax during the second half, but also be able to just kind of, you know, enjoy, you know, try some new pitches, try different things, try different lineups, things like that. So big win for them, um, getting that playoff spot over the 4th of July weekend, also talked to Jordan Barth, um, who played for the um, Ricori Spartans. Um, he's at Augustana now. Um, he was getting looked at for the MLB draft. He didn't actually get drafted, which um, I know is kind of a bummer for the local area. But um, I know he's he's excited to kind of continue. This is his last year with the Rocks, more than likely. And um, he's just kind of enjoying and soaking in all the moments. He's been on the Rocks for three years, and um, he's been loving every minute of it. So, um be interesting to see what happens because I think he's only a junior. So he does have one more year left with Augustana, which means he can potentially be in the draft next year and, and kind of work his way through there. Um, along with that is um, I, I did a story with Colin Rommel. Um, he is a pitcher for the rocks. He's he, he goes to Kent state and he has quite a journey um, that he has gone through, but his love for baseball has kind of pushed through everything and, and kept him on the right path. Um, at first he had Tommy John surgery in January of 2019. Um, after almost a year of just kind of figuring out what it was, um, he was able to figure out that it was actually, actually his Tommy John and or his UCL and he needed to get Tommy John surgery in January of 2019 
he was rehabbing from that and then he got into a car accident um pretty bad one where he got basically t-boned um on the driver's side and it broke basically everything on his left side except for his uc uh, his ucl which he said there was someone looking down on him that um was making sure that he was doing okay um but he it was pretty bad in or pretty pretty bad accident where he was in he didn't really remember three days in the hospital finally woke up and um his main thing was was how do i get back on the diamond you know um so he was able to kind of rehab from that from that car accident as well as the tommy john surgery finally got back into um, a uniform in 2022 or 2020 um and then COVID hit so he got to play four weeks of baseball and then he wasn't then everything got shut down so this year was really important for him because he just he wanted to get back on the diamond honestly and um he's got two years of eligibility left he's technically a senior but he's going back to kent state to do um, a master's degree and just a really cool story really nice guy colin i i thank him up and down for um for talking to me about this story because it's i mean it was a privilege to just talk to him about it because it's just not an easy thing to talk about but um he he did it was it was a very very cool story and very heartwarming to say the least um, yeah it's you know it was yeah it was it was i know you were excited at least when you heard about that that's kind of one of those story ideas that just pop around that you ask about um you stumble upon when you're covering them and it's really exciting to talk about so i know that is a, a four subscriber only story so make sure to check that out um, at sctimes.com. That's one Brian worked on last week and um, was just a really cool one. And then also the other tidbit was that, um, you know, we had a couple uh, local players draft in the MLB draft. One was from the Rocks, Jack Winkler, who's a shortstop from San Francisco. He was picked in the 10th round by the Oakland A's. Um, he's been starting for the Rocks a lot this summer. And then um, a local college player, Matt Osterberg from SCSU, he was selected in the 15th round. Um, by the Phillies, and he's a left-handed pitcher who just finished up uh, a solid junior season. So um, those were a couple names, too, that um, I think that was Monday. Was it Monday that they got picked, um, or was that Tuesday? I can't remember, but... Um, I'm, I think Monday. I think uh, Jack was on Monday, and then Matt was on Tuesday, I'm pretty sure. Gotcha. So, yeah, so those are other things to take a look at, because um, there's, yeah, there's been a lot of baseball stuff going on uh, that we've been covering the last week or two. Um is there anything else, Brian, we missed on with, with that talk? No, I mean, basically the only thing is is with the St. Cloud Rocks, like I said, they, they got that playoff berth. So um, they'll be in the playoffs starting, I believe, August 15th is when the Northwoods League playoffs happen. Um, so we'll obviously keep you posted as the playoffs start to happen. But, um, yeah, no, other than that, I think we kind of covered everything St. Cloud Rocks-wise. Definitely. I know in just, like, I think it's a little over a week we get to go to, like, one of the – the, like workouting games where you just get to like just sit there and just get as many drinks as you want and everything i know we're excited for that that's that's on our calendar for sure it'll be weird not having a camera in my hand taking pictures <laughs> i know right it's like wow i just relax watch the game talk to people it's just weird i'm not keeping score i'm not searching for angles yeah that'll be nice so uh we'll be out seeing them then and i'm sure we'll see them a couple other times throughout the summer before the playoffs start um as well. So yeah, I think that'll wrap up kind of our baseball roundup to begin the show today. Um, when we come back, we're going to begin knocking out the rest of our five all metros, um, which we're going to start with boys and girls track and field. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the SC Times Sports Report podcast. Like we mentioned, we're going to finish off talking about our all-metro picks that um, came out a couple weeks ago on the website, but first time we can kind of uh, talk about them on here while recording. So um, we're going to start with boys and girls track, which are the ones I mainly focused on. In the next segment, we'll get to uh, boys and girls golf and boys tennis, which Brian kind of took the lead on. But uh, for track, we continued the um, kind of same format that we talked about in the last podcast. You know, picking a certain amount of people for a first team and a second team and picking um, a player of the year, in this case, kind of an athlete um, of the year. And on the boys side, it was uh, a pretty easy selection to pick David Boyd Jr. of Apollo. 
Uh, he was a senior sprinter. He was the only local athlete to appear in three events at the state meet. He made it in the 100, the 200, and the 4x100-meter relay. Um, he also broke the school's 200-meter record at the conference meet um, and helped them win the relay at conference um, as well and finished second at section in the relay to qualify at state. So um, he just had a tremendous year in all the sprinting events. The biggest thing to me was um, this was his first year doing track. Um, his coach, Justin Darrow told me, which kind of shocked me. He kind of just decided his senior year to, to give it a try. You know, a lot of people were did kinda, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it, it turned out pretty well. I would agree. <laughs> and with, you know, especially I feel like just with COVID canceling sports last year, a lot of people just for their senior year kind of tried different things more than usual. It seemed like just kind of across the board. Um, and yeah, he really found some crazy success at sections, um, you know, finished high enough to finish, uh, in the 200, uh, as a runner-up position to qualify for state um and he ended up finishing seventh in the 200 meter final at state too um and just really impressed i know you got to see him at the state meet too and you were kind of keeping a track on that um and the relay too and all of that and um it seemed like you were kind of blown away with how fast he was too yeah i mean you could definitely tell that the 200 meter was his favorite event um he just you could kind of tell that he was kind of just more in tune with with that 200 meter dash, but he looked really good on both of them. I mean, he anchored that four by 100 um, race, and he just it, it's just like a like a rocket coming out of out of the um, out of out of his position. And I mean, he just looks so good coming out. And obviously, you're competing against the best of the best. That's the whole reason why you're at state. Um, so I mean, he was able to have a really good ending to his senior year and. Um, yeah, I had no idea that this was his first year doing it, but you couldn't even tell because he was just so dominant in all those events. Um, just a lot of fun to watch for sure. Yeah, definitely. And it, it's even more impressive, you know, most sprint, I mean, he's probably six, four, six, five, I would say at least. And that's not really a common size for, um, especially high school sprinters usually tend to be kind of on, um, the shorter side, usually under six feet. So, um, that was kind of cool to see too. Just kind of had a very different look than most of his competitors as well. And at the class two A side, when there's only two classes in track, it was just insanely competitive. I mean, you're going against the biggest schools in the state, and sprints are sometimes some of the hardest events. Um, most people participating in them in the state too for track. So um, great performance by him to um, be named track athlete of the year. Um, the rest of the running portion of the first team. So I kind of divided these up into um five runners slash sprinters long distance middle distance all those three field athletes um and then two relay teams as well for the first and second team and that was consistent for the boys team and the girls team just so you guys kind of have an idea and for the rest of the runners on the boys team they're all long distance runners actually um a lot of them had success in cross country and that continued on the track as well you had sam brewer from apollo who was a senior um he set one of the fastest uh, two mile times in Apollo history and then he finished 12th in the two mile at state he's going to continue running um, at division three Lawrence University next year so he capped off his uh, career pretty well um, but then the rest are going to be coming back we have Vincent Calusa, who's a Recori sophomore who was uh, just behind Sam in the the two mile at sections he was third at sections um, and also ran well in the mile at conference too so he's someone I would expect really good things out of next year. And then two more that uh, ran at state were Grant Mares, um, who broke two minutes in the 800 at sections, ran a really strong four by eight leg at state. And um, if other for being kind of tripped up in his 800 meter run at state, um, you know, would have probably finished really well there too, but we're hoping for big things kind of out of him next year to get a little bit of redemption for that. Um, and then we also have Turner Shad from Cathedral who ran in the two mile um, and was also ran a leg in the four by eight relay. And he was the first person from Cathedral um, to run at all at state in about five, six years or so. So he ended that and then also um, had a good performance too to finish uh, 11th in the mile, uh, in the two mile, excuse me, as well. So um, yeah, a lot of good long distance talent uh, of those five names I've mentioned so far, three are coming back next year. So um, a pretty good theme there for uh, some some high expectations for 2022. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. And, and on the three field events, um, you had Josh Russell, who's a junior from tech. Um, he was, he, he threw 
Um, he was a thrower and and he had his best throw back in May of twenty or twenty May twenty sixth at Tech. He threw at fifty feet and two inches, um, which was phenomenal. Um, I mean, with discus and and um, and then you also had Garrison Murray from Tech as well. He's a junior, um, a junior jumper. Um, he had his or he finished third in the triple jump at fifty two feet and five inches. Um, at the conference meet, and then he also cleared six feet two inches on the high jump. So um, very good performance by him this year as well. Both of those coming, both of those individuals coming back. The one that is graduating is Evan Flores from Sartell. He's a senior pole vaulter. He was actually at state. Um, I was kind of trying to take pictures of him and David at the same time, and um, definitely kept me on my toes. That's for sure um, throughout the state meet, but. Um, he finished with a career best 13 feet and three inches at the Central Lakes Conference conference meet, um, but he also finished 12th at state with a 13 feet um, performance, and it was just, I mean, a very good, very good overall performance by him. Um, I know for me, every time that I kept turning around, he kept on jumping or kept on pole vaulting. So I was like, well, that's a good sign because I mean, at least. At least he's still in, in the running, and so, um, but definitely a good performance by him at state, and um, a good year to cap off his senior year. Yeah, absolutely, and he, you know, he really stepped it up at the end of the year. He'd been vaulting kind of in the twelves for most of the regular season, and then he just rocketed up to that thirteen feet three inches at conference to to take that, and you know, he kind of maintained that over thirteen foot mark the rest of the postseason. So he really did kind of save it for the best for last, and. Um, on Garrison, I think you might have said 52 feet, five inches. I'm going to just correct that to 42 feet, five inches. Cause, um, that's a lot of feet. Otherwise I don't want oh, people thinking gotcha. he, he jumped like to the moon or anything or something. So, um, <laughs> but still, yeah, I mean, it's cool too, that to have a couple guys from tech too. I know they had kind of smaller numbers this year than traditionally, but they still did have some really good, um, individual performances, especially in the field. And then, um, the two, uh, others on the first team to wrap it up are the Cathedral 4x8 team with Eli and Henry Ebel and then Ben Fermelt and Turner Schad. Um, they were kind of closed in on the school record. Um, they finished first at sections and ended up fifth at state. Um, and three of those four guys are coming back too. So that's, you know, a lot to look forward to them as well. And on the Apollo 4x1 relay, had um, Arassi Ancino, Peter Zorn, Zach Lambert, and David Boyd Jr. all on that. Um, an older crew kind of on that with a lot graduating that all came together um, to finish, like I said, first at conference, second in sections, and they were 11th um, at state. And David, Peter, and Arassi, they had the three fastest 200-meter times um, kind of in our area throughout the year, too. So they really stacked up that relay um, and did an incredible job all year, too. So uh, very deserving those two relay teams as well after um, not only performing throughout the year well, but also uh, running some of their best times at state too. Yeah. And, and then to kind of finish off with that second team, um, Irasi and, and Peter from Apollo's four by 100 team, they, they were on that second team as individuals, um, for sprints and, or for, for the two sprints. Um, and then quite a bit of some juniors that will be coming back next year. That'll be kind of fun to see, but also a handful of seniors, um, Tayton, from Sock Rapids, um, he he was on that second team as well as um, Jacob Crow from Apollo, and uh, also Clark Nelson from Recory. Those those individuals will be graduating after this year, but um, a handful of some sophomores and junior talent coming back next year for sure, and um, should make that 2022 season a little bit more exciting. Um, being able to know some of the familiar names coming back. Yeah, Andrew Carls from Apollo is a middle distance runner. Carter Lesh, um, a Sock Rapids Rice Jr. in the hurdles. And then Anthony Mawald from uh, Sartell as a sophomore jumper, too. Um, impressed. So, yeah, I mean, there's, um, you know, I think we had all seven schools on the list. There was kind of a wide variety of runners and field athletes, relays. So, um, yeah, I thought it was really nicely kind of well-rounded um, and everyone, uh you know, there weren't too many tough decisions to make tracks a little easier than some of the others because it's it's literally just times or distances. There's not too much gray area. Um, but yeah, a, a, a really good season for a lot of these runners. And, you know, the majority of this first team was also at state, too. So um, when you're putting in performances like that, too. It makes it makes it very easy to choose. Um, and as well, we're going to switch to um, the girls side, which was dominated 
um, especially on the first team by Albany, especially. Um, Olivia Gable was the athlete of the year as a freshman already. She crossed the line um, in five minutes and five seconds at state to finish fourth in the mile. And that was only one second off of the school record she'd already set previously this year. She set the school record a couple times that she would break her own record, kind of as she did better this year. Um, and is doing that as a freshman just gives huge, you know, expectations, notoriety, all of that uh, for what she can continue to accomplish her next three years with the Huskies. Um, I know that she um, trains incredibly hard. She's really focused. And also she was really strong on that four by eight relay as well, running the anchor leg, um, helping them win sections. And also they finished third overall at state. So um, she's just incredibly determined, tenacious, um, and just, you know, she she ran that mile only about an hour after she ran the four by eight. She ran both full out um, and just really impressed both of us when we were at the Class A state meet. Yeah, and no shocker there, but the Albany four by eight got the first team for relays as well. I know, no shock there, right? Um, and then also one of her teammates, um, Christine Kaltoff, she, she also made that first team. Um, as an Albany senior distance runner, she was at the 3,200 meter run um, at state, and she finished. Um, or, yeah, she finished at state last, this this past year, and with a time of 11:27:29. So a really good year for her. She's going to be heading out to Mary next year for Division Two track and field. So um, big kudos to her on her success this past. Well, not just this past year, but for her entire career at Albany, because. Not only has she been dominant in the track and field, but also at, at cross country as well. Um, she's a familiar name that people hear when it comes to the fall season when cross country kind of comes around the corner too. So um, a really good performance by her um, as well. But a handful of, I mean, it seemed like a lot of junior or a lot of distances um, for boys track and field. Um, this for the girls, it seems like a little bit of some uh, uh, variety between uh, some sprinters as well as some hurdlers and some distance. So why don't you kind of run through those for me? Yeah, there was a lot that's going to be coming back. The vast majority, honestly, of this first team and even a lot of the second team will be coming back next year. Um, Hope Schuler was a cathedral sophomore sprinter. She was third in the 100 and 200 at section. So just by fractions of a second, she missed out on qualifying for state. I would probably expect her to, um, you know, the coming years because she just is incredibly fast, was easily the fastest sprinter in the area, too. Um, so big things should be coming for her. Um, Cecilia Woods from Recori, she finished in the top nine. So she medaled at state, um, in the hundred meter hurdles as a sophomore with the time of 1509. So, um, that experience is just going to continue to help her. And she dropped her time throughout the year really impressively as well. You know, competing for the first time since being an eighth grader on varsity, she also ran pretty well. So, um, she's going to continue to get better. Brooke Verkinis from Apollo. She's a junior distance runner. Um, really came on strong at the end of the year in the 800, ran her best time at conference to finish third, and then she backed it up by finishing at 226 um, to finish second at sections for her first state appearance and finished 14th at state. So that's another state um, qualifier to keep an eye on, along with Noelle Hackenmuller, who she just missed state in the long jump, uh, but she ended up, and in the 300 hurdles, she was just, you know, fractions of a second in 300 hurdles, and then a quarter of an inch in the long jump she missed. She did go in the triple jump, um, and she, uh, you know, had her best personal mark. She finished sixth place and um, was just an all-around athlete throughout the entire year that um, really impressed me. I wrote a story about her earlier in the season because she just excels at so many different events. And then um, another Apollo junior, there's a lot of Apollo athletes on this first team, kind of like boys. Um, Livy Lommel, she had uh, – a season best pole vault at sections. So she finished fourth um, in pole vault. And then she was also fifth in the triple jump. And there was a couple people that were on the second team that, um, you know, finished third in their field events at sections, but I kind of gave her the nod because she was able to finish in multiple events kind of in that top five. Cause there's a lot of people third, fourth, fifth um, of our athletes at sections that just missed out on state, but um, doing it in kind of two very different events kind of gave me uh, to give her the nod on that one. Yeah, and, and I mean, Noelle and also on your first team is Justice Florin from Sock Rapids. She's a senior jumper and sprinter. Um, the two of them made it to state in the field events, and it's kind of fun watching those two because both of them kind of had a similar path where they had a really, really, really good um, jump um, in the probably the first or second 
try. And then that kind of put some pressure on that second heat um, as they came up in afterwards. And it allowed them to be able to finish um, in that, you know, top 10 or top top five um, for, for the two events. So, yeah, and then Justice, Justice Florence, she was um, – she had a really good jump, long jump, setting a personal best at 17 feet and four inches at sections. Um, and she was able to finish third at um, the class AA um, state meet at the end of the season. So a really good performance for her. Um, she actually was able to do a career best jump of 17 feet and eight inches um, at that at that state meet for um, to end the season. So a really good way to cap off her senior year. I think she did a really nice job um, and a very nice person to talk to as well. She, she was, she was kind of surprised that I was there to talk to her and she was just like, Oh my gosh, yeah, I'll talk to you. So um, (laughs) kind of, kind of a fun, fun way to cap off this season um, for track and field, but big kudos to her for that. Yeah. And on the relays, like you said, no surprise, Albany in the four by eight, they were third at state in 2019. They were third at state again. Um, they'll lose. They'll graduate two of their runners. Um, so you know there will be a little bit of space to replace. Um, you know, have new people step up. But they already have seen a lot of strong. You know, eighth graders that ran in the 400 um, this year that were already placing and doing really well. So it seems like that kind of stable of middle to long distance runners just continues to be really strong for the Huskies and they really take that seriously. So I'd expect them to be back too. And another really young team to take an eye on is Recori, their four by eight team. Um, all four of their runners, Selma Dingman, Elise Hofer, Paige Larson, and Ava Larson, um, all will not be graduating. So they'll all be back. Um, they were really strong at sections. They finished fourth in the four by eight. Uh, they're only a couple seconds behind first at the conference meet. So um, they have a lot of, I mean, some of those runners are seventh graders, you know, freshmen, um, you know, they have a huge kind of, uh, supply of depth as well that they're really excited about. And that's kind of, as we finish up the girls team here, that's was the biggest takeaway on the second team. I had, uh, six of the 10 are from Recori and a lot of them are either freshmen or younger. Uh, four of them are freshmen or younger. So, uh, a ton that finished, like I said earlier, third, fourth, fifth at sections that, um, with just some small improvements can qual can probably qualify for state next year. Cause the only, um recording individual to qualify for state this year was cecilia in the 100 meter hurdles and i'd expect quite a few more probably in the next year or two as well and you know that depth and that consistency that just kind of shows why they've been able to win uh so many state true team titles as well in recent years because they just have that um, kind of top end talent across the board so there's a couple other names from you know sartell albany um, in Cathedral, too, that made that second team. So make sure to check out sctimes.com to see all the names on the second team as well. Yeah, that's a lot of recording names. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that's really exciting to see because, um, yeah, like you said, four out of the six are freshmen or younger. So, And they only have one senior. So that, that kind of just shows you what type of depth the Spartans have heading into the 2022 season and beyond. So Well beyond, uh, yes. Yeah, so. yeah, well beyond. So. But no, I think that'll kind of wrap up this segment with track and field. Um, we're going to take a short break. And then when we return, um, I'll kind of take over the boys tennis and boys and girls golf recaps of the all Metro teams. And then we'll get you on for the rest of the day. So um, make sure to come back um, as we finish up the, the last part of the SC Times Sports Report podcast. And welcome back to the SC Times Sports Report podcast. Like we said, we're going to finish up our All Metro picks and the podcast itself today with um, talking about these last three sports. Brian, you want to take the lead on this one since you were the one that kind of put these together. Absolutely. We can, we'll start off with boys tennis. Um, no shock, but Tech kind of got most of the <laughs> most of the nominations here. They, they had a phenomenal year this year and um, they had a lot of senior leadership coming from um, from that team, and so rightfully so earned a few spots on that um, All Metro first team. For boys tennis, I did five for the first team as well as five for the second team. Tech got four out of the five in the first team, um, and the player of the year was Andrew Plumbaum. 
Um, he's a senior, and he was probably one of the more reliable players on that team. Um, he he played uh, number one doubles most of the season. He finished 14 and seven in doubles play, four and one in singles play, went 18 and eight overall in the season. Um, a really good, really good senior year for him. Um, and Coach Paul Bates just raved about what he was able to do over his years, um, over the six years that he was in the program and just was a captain for the team. He's a very quiet guy. He doesn't really talk a whole lot. He just kind of shows it on the court a lot. So um, a big kudos to him on, on getting that player of the year honors. The other guy that was I was kind of on the fence with um, back and forth with was Emilio Estevez. Um, he's also a senior from Tech. He was um, he finished 17 and 10 in singles play. He never played doubles. Um, he played mostly number three singles, but also played, even though he was number three singles, he played a lot of tough opponents because they knew that Emilio was probably one of their big, big name guys on, on the Tigers team. So, um, but he was a very consistent player um, and led the Tigers to that team se- section semifinals uh, match, lost to Alexandria. Um, but a really good matchup for for them, and um, he will be very much missed next year. That's for sure. Yeah, and then to kind of round out that top that top five um, for the first team, Ben Nelson, who is a senior from Tech, as well as Michael Plumbaum, a sophomore from Tech. They kind of were the other two from um, in that top in that top five for first team. Ben was kind of a little bit more of the vocal leader for for the team. He played. Quite a bit of some uh, doubles play. He finished 12 and five in doubles, went 13 and five on the season, um, and was just a very good good teammate um, and good doubles partner to have, um, regardless of whether he played number one or number two doubles this season. And then Michael Plumbaum, he's a sophomore, but he he took on the tough task of being the number one singles player this year for for the Tigers, and um, he finished the season 14 and 10, um, but the last like two or three weeks of the season, you could tell that his game elevated quite a bit um, with just some of the wins that he got and um, was able to help get those key matches um, to win and be able to advance in section play. Um, And then lastly, just to kind of round out that top five was Grant Martin from Cathedral. He's a senior and he had a really good season. He played number one singles as number one doubles um, and he finished nine and nine and eight in the season, one and two record in singles play and an eight and six record in doubles. Um, he's kind of one of the only um, seniors on that Crusaders team. So um, but he helped a lot of the younger younger players and helping to build that future for Cathedral Tennis um, as they get ready for the 2022 season. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned that there's uh, a ton of seniors from tech. You know, there's three seniors from tech on that first team well there's three juniors or sophomores from tech on the second team so the future as usual is pretty bright with them you have ben Iink, uh, who's a sophomore gavin fenstead a sophomore and ripley garden a junior um who they'd all probably expect to be back so um have a lot of people kind of waiting in the wings there the other names that made the second team were tiernan atterbury um a really good senior from apollo sock rapids and then zach farley a sophomore from sartell as well so um, a bit of representation there from a couple different schools and then yeah just that's as you saw, Tech, uh, seven of the ten selections, so very well represented on that team. Yeah, I, I think I think a very good season for the Tigers this past season, and um, they even though they they graduated three very important players, I think they'll be having a another good season next year with all the young talent that's going to be coming up. And then moving on from there, we're going to go to boys golf, um, who unsurprisingly, Logan Hammocks from Sartell Senior, uh, golfer of the year. I think that might have been your easiest decision of um, all of the teams you picked. Um, you know, he was had a really strong finish in 2019 to be one of the top golfers in the state. Um, he came ready to play very well again. He ended up finishing tied for 11th in the individual standings at state. But um, there was a lot of times throughout the year he'd shoot, you know, in you know, he hit the hit the 60s a couple of times, was always low 70s, um, and he'll be playing at South Dakota next year in college. So um, a really bright future for him as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this was the easiest decision to make because of what he was able to do two years ago um, in 2019, finishing third at state um, as a sophomore. So, um, But 
Along with him, his brother, um, Lance Hammock, made made the first team as well. He's a freshman for Sartell, and he's going to be kind of the future of that of that Sabres program. Um, he was kind of that one-two punch with his brother um, this entire season. Finished in the high 70s, low 80s most of the season. Um, shot 79 and 78 in the section tournament. And he didn't advance to state, but um, wouldn't surprise me next year if he was a guy that was at that state tournament next year um, with just what he's capable of doing um, and the experience that he got this past season during his senior or during his freshman year. Um, and then to kind of round out, we also did five for boys and girls golf on the first team and second team, kind of rounding out that first team. Um, two guys from Ricori, Tucker Hokinson, as well as Drew Schneider, both of them seniors. Um, they were kind of that one-two punch that um, Ricori needed early on in the season to kind of get that get that ball rolling a little bit. Um, Drew Schneider was able to make it to the state tournament after shooting a 70, 78 and 71 at section play. He ended up 67th overall um, with a when he shot 90 and 79 in these um, in the state tournament. He will actually be heading out to the University of Wisconsin Stout to play football next year. Um, so I think that'll kind of end his golf career. But um, Tucker Hokinson will be joining him at Wisconsin Stout playing football. But he did not make the state tournament, but he he shot a 84 and an 83 at section play um, to end the season. Um, a really good round for him as well. And then finally, Leo Worshe from Cathedral. He is going to be a junior coming back to lead that Crusaders team. Um, he actually made it to the state tournament after shooting an 81 and a 77 in section at the section tournament. Um, he finished 46th overall at state after fin- after shooting an 84 on day one and then a 78 on day two. So he will be one of the leaders coming back to kind of help out and um, and build that cathedral program for the future. Yeah, and on the second team, we have four different schools represented. You have August Falloon from Tech Apollo, Colin Fuchs from Sock Rapids, Sam Geller also from Tech Apollo, and Colin Hess from Cathedral, and Zach Cruiser from Albany. Um, and four of those five are going to be coming back as well. So similar to, it seems like the spring sports especially have, I think, just kind of across the board compared to fall and winter, I would say they definitely have a lot more younger athletes that really make a big impact um, and and kind of get more opportunities, just kind of how the sports are set up a little bit differently i'd say and it just seems like they've had a lot more success than some of the other seasons yeah no i i completely agree with that it, it seems seems like that 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 is the case and um hopefully it leads to a very fun 2022 season for us to cover that's for sure um and then kind of finishing off the the all metro teams is girls golf um abby thielen from albany she finished as golfer of the year um she's a junior that will be returning back um, to the Huskies next year, she, um, along with senior Brooke Lemke, um, who's also on this first team, she she's a senior, and um, they kind of worked hand-in-hand. Hand. They made it to state together, um, but Abby was the one that finished. Um, she finished 16th overall at the state tournament um, after finishing 82 on day one and 92 on day two, um, and she'll be kind of leading that team for the next season. Brooke Lemke, she finished off her career um, at the state tournament, finished 51st overall. She finished um, with a 99 on day one and a 92 on day two, or 91, 99 on day one, 91 on day two um, overall. But uh, a really good career for her. She's she's kind of helped lead that Huskies program to where it is today um, and has built that program to a very high status um, for future years, uh, as she graduates. And then to kind of round out that top or that top five for the, um, first team, Brooke Andel from Sartell, she's a senior. Um, she finished, she shot a 92 on day two of the section tournament, finished mostly in the high 80, 80s, low nineties, most of the season. Um, and she will be sh- sorely missed for that, um, Sartell Sabres team next year, but, um, definitely helped out those younger younger girls most of the season. Along with her um, is Marley Mashad from Sartell. She's also a senior. Um, she'll be heading out to Gus Davis to do women's gymnastics next year. But she finished most mostly in the high 90s most of the season. Well, she started off in the high 90s. And then she actually kind of progressed throughout the season, um, grew a lot. And then she ended up shooting an 86 on day two of the section tournament. So 
Um, she will be finishing off her college career or her high school career um, with golf um, as she heads to Gus Davis next year. And then to fight to finish off that top five is Ashley Stolt from Tech Apollo. She's a junior. Um, she was kind of one of the leaders for um, Tech Apollo's girls golf team. Um, she started off the season in the high 90s and then kind of worked on her game quite a bit. Um, finished off in the high 80s, low 90s mo- most of the season. Um, and then she finished with a 92 on day two of the section tournament. So some someone to kind of look out for as she heads into her senior year next year um, to hopefully get get a spot at that state tournament to kind of cap off her senior year next year. Yeah, and on the second team, there's four teams represented uh, there as well. Most uh, three or so of them are going to be coming back too. So kind of like we've been mentioning all along, there's going to be a lot of golfers, a lot of tennis players, track athletes, all of it. Um, going to be coming back next year to try to make another run at a more successful season for the teams and also as individuals. So, um, yeah, we just had a lot of fun putting all these teams together, um, kind of reminiscing, looking back at the seasons, talking with the coaches on what the big accomplishments were. And it also just gives us a really good kind of eye to to the future for next year. So um, thanks for everyone that, you know, uh, read those stories, followed along, listened to both podcasts too. Um, glad we could finally get out the content after failing to record it for an hour and a half last week. So uh, we, we accomplished the mission that uh, we fell short of the first time. So that's always a good feeling. So uh, like we mentioned, we're going to be coming back. Um, it should be the plan is we're back every week now. I know we had two weeks off. It was supposed to only be one week off before that little mistake. But I think the plan is to basically be every week now going forward, just like we were throughout um, the entire high school season and all of that. The plan, like I mentioned, is talk a lot about amateur baseball next week. We'll kind of go through some of these playoffs um, that we'll be starting that following weekend, and we'll kind of keep you in tune with that for the next few weeks before um, the fall gets there. Is there anything else we missed on, Brian? No, I mean, kind of amazing to think that three weeks from now we're going to be doing uh, fall sports again, but um, definitely going to enjoy these next couple weeks as amateur baseball kind of starts getting to the playoff mode. Um, And, yeah, like you said, thank you to everybody that – read all of our all metro stories subscribed to the st cloud times we really do appreciate it hopefully you enjoyed these last couple of podcasts as we kind of unveiled all the different teams and um, thank you to everybody that continues to listen to these on a weekly basis Um, we always love hearing from you guys and if there's anything that we missed um, let let us know because we always like to add more to our podcast so make sure to keep us keep us um, alert on what what needs to be talked about so but otherwise yeah i appreciate it Definitely. Well, great. Well, thanks for everyone once again for tuning in. Like we said, we're going to be back every week going forward. So continue to uh, look for us in your podcast feeds, usually kind of the middle of the week. We're going to try to get back on that every Wednesday. Like we said, in summer, it gets a little weird sometimes, but um, no matter what kind of the middle of the week, every week, we should be getting one of these out too. So thanks again for everyone that tuned in and we will see you again next time.